if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, in your Bible, that's almost to the end, and you will we'll be picking up in verse 12 in just a moment. All of you online, in Vieira, Sebastian at your campuses as well. Now, the title of the teaching, you probably never heard. I've never titled it like this in my life, but here it is. Spiritual surgery by God's living word is good for us. Spiritual surgery. Now, pretty much everybody I'm talking to, except some younger kids and younger people, every single one of us has had some kind of physical surgery in our life. Could I see your hand? You had some kind of physical surgery. Exactly. Now, before that surgery took place, uh, your doctor ordered all kinds of things. Uh, X-ray, CT scan, MRI, and even some of us, I've had it myself, a PET scan. And the reason that you had those was the physician, the surgeon, he, he looks at you and he's not sure where is the problem, how difficult it is. Is it complicated? What's it going to be like? You know, my whole background, you know, is in medicine for, at, at hospitals for all this time. And so they would do this because they, they couldn't see from outside. Say, well, I know it's over here, it's over here, it's over here. No, ex except if it's a broken bone or something. They have to see it so they can do the right surgery to make sure you're cured of the problem. Well, that's pretty normal. But here's something that's going to surprise you. Take a look. First thing. By the way, if you forget to get notes, you just go to the website before you even come to church. It's put up on, on Saturday morning. Actually, they'll have it up there uh, definitely by Saturday night, and you have all the notes, so you don't have to write them down, but you can write them down as well. Here's the first note. But today, we're going to see spiritual surgery by God's living word. Now, this surgery spiritually is for Christians, Christ followers, and unbelievers. Now, by an unbeliever, I mean this. You might believe in God, you might be a good person, but you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You don't really have a personal relationship with God, and that's the only way you can get to heaven. Now, so basically, as you listen to this, every single person, God's going to speak to you today. So every person that I'm speaking to, every person, online, Vieira Sebastian campus, watching later, this is for every single one of us. Not me, because I'm a perfect person. Other than that, yeah, if you're a visitor, no, that was a joke. Uh, of course not. It's for every single one of us. How am I going to make sure you understand that? Very simple. You have a neighbor. They're quite a ways away, but that's okay. I want you to turn to them and say this. Everybody at home on the campuses say this. I'm going to have spiritual surgery today. Come on. I'm going to have spiritual surgery today. Now, we locked the door so nobody could leave. No, I'm just kidding. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, what, what is this really about? Well, let's take a look. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, key words, penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges, listen, it judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. Now, you're going to hear heart a lot in the teaching. Now, understand, heart is our whole being. It's not a, remember, we're doing a spiritual one. Nobody's having open heart surgery. It's spiritual. The heart is our whole being. It's the center of our mind uh, with our will and emotion. It's the control center where all the decisions of life are made. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, guard your heart. And here's another one. You know, so has, has anybody here ever said something? You went, where in the world did that come? That was terrible. I just tore somebody down. Where did it come from? Your own heart. Out of the heart, the mouth. Well, four of you got it. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, where did that come from? That couldn't have come from me arguing about that person and yelling at them. Uh, yeah, it didn't come from their heart. It came from your heart. It came from my heart. So you'll see heart a lot. So the judging that God's going to do is our motives in our heart. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Mark, is this, is this Bible really true? Here we go. God's word is all true. It can be trusted in every area of your life. It's the roadmap to how to do life here and the roadmap how to get to heaven. Proverbs 30 says this. Every word of God is flawless. It's 100% true. And Psalm 119 says it like this. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. It's always true. Some people say it's outdated. You're outdated. The word is active. It's active. Now, we're going to cover three truths. So here we go about God's living word. Number one, God's living word is living because God is a living God. The Bible is living it's because it has vital power inherent in itself. Now, here's a warning back in chapter 3. Interesting. Watch this. You see it on the overhead at home on the campuses. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your, here we go again, your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, key three words, turning you away from who? The who? The living God. Now, what the writer is trying to say is, be careful our hearts don't get hard and cold and turn away from God. Now, that's the surgery that God helps us with. Because sometimes we just get away from the word. We kind of get discouraged. We get busy with everything else. And God is like second or third or fourth. His word isn't first. We don't seek his kingdom first. And God has to come to us and say, come on. Come on home. Get this right. Get back in here. You're cold. You're ice cold. Your heart is getting hard. And that's why he brings the word to do surgery for us. Now, here's the second. God's living word is active powerful. It actively changes people's lives as promised because it's alive. It has a way to change it. Now, God's word is dynamic, 
productive. It causes things to happen. It just, see, a lot of people think, well, it just, it's a bunch of paper. It just sits here. No, 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 no. You're going to see, you're having surgery. I'm having surgery. By the way, don't make fun of you or me. I had surgery on Saturday night. I'm having surgery in the first service. I'm having surgery in the second service. God's got me in a corner. Okay, you only got one. Praise God. Now, when you see this, look at this. God's word is dynamic, and it's productive. It causes things to happen. It brings warning. We all have been there to the disobedient and promises to the believer. There's that whole difference. I love what Martin Luther says. You'll get this. It is so funny, but it is so true. Martin Luther, remember? Here's what he says. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. So be careful in your seat. I mean, God's going to come after all of us. I love that. It's like, it speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. Get straight, Balmer. It's there. It's alive. Now, the good thing about the word is alive. Let me read to you Isaiah 55. So it is my word that goes out of my mouth. God speaking. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve and the purpose for which I sent it. Back to verse 12. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Here's the third key. God's word penetrates the soul and spirit and exposes our innermost thoughts and desires which come from the heart. Now, let me show you the difference of what that is. You see it on the screen. Soul, that's my mind and my will and my emotions. It's actually a kind of a definition of our flesh. Now, spirit is not hard to understand. You are, the real you, the real me, the real every person is spirit. Eventually, our body goes away. The spirit will last forever, either in heaven or hell, separated from God. It's the spiritual part of man. Now, here's the third key. The word, the living word, the Bible, as we read it, as you hear it, as you're taught it, the word cuts between what is of the flesh and what is of the spirit. Now, the things that are of the flesh are against the things of the Spirit, and that causes us trouble, and it causes other people trouble. And the Word penetrates the core of our moral and spiritual lives. So that penetration is like a scalpel. It's like a scalpel. It opens our heart, not our physical heart, our spiritual heart, because God knows what's happening. Now, how do I know that God can see into my heart? Well, here's he, look at verse 13. You're right there in the Bible. Look at your Bible. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. How much? Nothing. Nothing. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him. And we'll talk about this second part more next week. 
to whom we must give an account. Now, God's word is sharp. Like I said, it's like a scalpel of a surgeon. But it does much more than a surgeon can do. I've been a pastor a long time, you know, and I go to visit people from the hospital from time to time, but because of all the things I'm involved in now, I don't do that that often like I used to because pretty much we have a whole team that does that. Trouble is today, nobody can get in the hospital to pray for anybody. So we have to pray for them on the phone. But let me just say this. All these years as I was a pastor, no one ever came to me and said this. Pastor Mark, I, 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 would you visit me in the hospital on Friday? I'm going to have surgery. And if, when that would happen, when I would go very often, I would say, to, well, what kind of surgery are you going to have? And I've never had anybody say this to me. Uh, Pastor Mark, I'm going to have surgery to have my heart fixed because it's filled with greed, anger, and unforgiveness. How are you going to do that? Can, can you imagine? The doctor turns that insurance thing in. I'm cutting open a heart to get rid of anger and greed and unforgiveness. A hard heart. Now, back in 97, I had an open heart. Woo! That was a real open heart. But God's healed me all these years. It's amazing. Now, but this is here. Let me just say this to you. Medical surgeons cannot cure. They can cure a lot of things. Praise the Lord. That's why I'm here. Of course, God's behind me. Who's the real healer? God is. But he gives surgeons. He gives wise. He gives drugs. All those kind of things. But medical surgeons cannot cure our spiritual sin. But God can. Everyone. Everyone, and that's what he's going to expose in your heart, my heart, all of us watching. Now, here's a picture. You're familiar with this. There's, to diagnose a physical problems, we have to use physical equipment, like I began the sermon with, MRIs and all this. Well, this is an x-ray of lungs. Now, lungs is very common to all of us today because one of the things that brings people close to death and very often death is because the, hung, the lungs are filled and and the air uh, little packages, they get hard and can't breathe. Well, that's a perfect lung right there. Now, notice, that x-ray shows everything. Nothing is hidden from God's sight and his living word. Nobody sitting here can say, well, Pastor Mark, you know, as, as I get to this, uh, uh, there's really nothing wrong with me. I'm spiritually, I'm perfect. Well, God's saying something very different right now. You know what that's called? A hypocrite. You're lying to yourself. There's no person in this room that's perfect. We're all sinners saved by grace. Now, man's real problems are spiritual. And they must be cured, solved by spiritual means. Now, I'm going to go, the first part of the sermon, just to Christians, Christ followers. And then we'll go to unbelievers that have never come to Christ yet or people that need to make a recommitment toward the second heart. So God is going to do spiritual surgery on all of our hearts. Now, take a look at this verse. This is Paul writing, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Worrying solves nothing 
and accomplishes nothing. So let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer it at no campus, no raising your hand, watch all you guys watching online in the balcony and all over the place. Don't answer this, but just think yourself. This is a command from God. Don't worry. Don't worry. How many of us, no raising your hand, just think yourself, have worried about three or four things this last week? Well, God's going to fix that. He's going to do surgery on every one of us. I had it three times, I told you. <laughs> I'll never worry again, Lord help me. Think about worry. Think about worry. It's a strange thing in all of our lives. Now, here's what I'm going to do. And I get my Bible. Open that in a minute. <clears throat> Some of you thought I was just going to take it easy today. <laughs> this is a picture of worry. You say, that looks like a picture of peace to me. Well, let me tell you what Vance Hefner, Van Hever, he's an amazing pastor. Listen to what he says. Worry like a rocking chair. We'll give you something to do, but it won't take you anywhere. <laughs> That's exactly what worry does. It affects us spiritually, emotionally, and physically. We're trying to solve something that we can't solve. I did that three services. I never moved an inch. It doesn't work. You can go to Cracker Barrel all you want. It ain't going to take you nowhere. <laughs> what do we worry about? Well, sometimes we worry about our finances, our marriage, our physical health, our job, our future. What's going to happen in the future? And some people worry about the coronavirus. It's just a horrible thing. But that worry is a command from God. Do not worry about anything. Paul, who wrote the book of Philippians, gives us his cure for worrying. Take a look. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, what is this solution? The best solution is to pray and read the Bible and pray God's promises. Now, let me get something out and share this with you. So, I, I'm going to quit worrying and I'm going to get down and pray. Now I'm going somewhere. You know why? I'm going to the king that's on the throne. I, I need a promise. I need help. Well, 
Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him or her in perfect peace who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. You see, if, if, we, if we meditate, if we read a passage, if we hear a sermon, our, our thoughts are fixed on the Bible. Here, where are my thoughts fixed? On the problems, on the worrying, because I'm afraid to trust God. Well, you shouldn't be that way. That's not what the scripture says. Now, it will tell you one more thing that I think is really good when you think about it. I have it written. And it just me. I'll read it to you when I get back up. Maybe I have it here. I can't remember. Let's see. Again, the cure, and you'll see this in a moment. Worry about no thing, but pray about everything. Here's what we have a problem with that. Well, Pensacola market's too small to pray about. Really? Nothing's too small for God. He likes the little details of our lives. Remember, he even counts our hairs. Well, Pensacola market is too big a problem for God. Nothing is too big for God. Don't let the enemy say that to you. But when I read that verse... You will keep him in perfect peace. The original language means this. Peace, peace. It's duplicated. But the word peace in the original language is this. Shalom. Shalom. Now, I'm going to read that. You tell me if you'd like to pray and have this word shalom. Listen. Shalom means this. Completeness, rest, safety, tranquility, wholeness, total well-being. Anybody like to leave with that? Wow. Let me read it again. Completeness, rest, safety, tranquility, wholeness, total well-being. Perfect, perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. See, that's what happens. We're trusting God. And look at this next verse. I I think we have it on the overhead. Me going to three different places. I'm going somewhere. Because I'm in the Word of God. Amen? Now, when you see this, this, I was talking about prayer. What did this bring back to me? Here's what it brought back to me. When I just read that verse in Isaiah, it says this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. What what does my thoughts have to do with this? I think with my what? My mind. Where is the battle? It's right there. See, that worry and not worrying, having shalom, is here in the mind. It's a spiritual battle. So you have to be aware of it. Now, prayer culture. Every year, twice a year, we do prayer culture. And we usually do it for two weeks. We're going to do it for nine days. Because we always meet. We have thousands of people meet at 6 o'clock in the morning at our campuses meeting and pray just for an hour. It's fantastic. It's changed our whole churches, all of it. But we can't meet together like that anymore. So what we've decided to do 
and Pastor TJ and his whole group. Basically, we're going to do it online. And in one of the great ways as we do this is we are going to be online, and you can see it. You can see it again. It doesn't matter. You don't have to get up necessarily at 6. You'll hear that. There'll be a, a time of prayer, a small sermon, like about 10 minutes max, and, and a couple songs. And then what happens is this. We used to, how many remember, how many have ever been to prayer culture? Let me see your hand. Okay, good. Well, what happens, you just come in and pray, and it's not like you get up and pray with four people. You just pray yourself. And when you, when we start prayer culture, you get sheets, and you write on there. Maybe I'd write down and say, Linda, my wife, is sick. Well, she isn't sick, but I just write Linda. I don't put, I don't put the last name. And those prayer requests, people come up, get them, and they pray during the week. And hundreds of people are praying for all kinds. My kid's sick. My, my son has gone away from the Lord. All those things. Well, we don't have any way to get you the papers. We don't have any way. But the guys are so brilliant. We're going to have a prayer wall. And it's going to be online. And you're going to be able to look at these prayers. You, you can put in your own prayer request. Don't use your last name, just your first name. Do it in a gentle way. Explain it simple. Uh, I need this. My son's going to college. He doesn't know what to do. That's fine. Or my, my daughter has cancer. They just found it. Just use your first name. And what happens? We'll be able, all of us, we'll be able to sign in and just go pray and pick the prayers you want to pray for. Anybody be excited if you have a need that hundreds and hundreds of people are praying for your need. That's, that's prayer. God answers prayer. So that's start. This is brand new. The, the, the guys are just brilliant in that. Just amazingly brilliant. So that will happen uh, starting Tuesday, Tuesday morning. So get on sign. Go right to the website. There's a whole thing on prayer culture. It'll explain everything to you. If you have some questions, you can just call the office, and we'll help you through that as well. Now, here is God's cure. Here's how he cures us. Worry about no thing, but pray about everything. Now, when we pray, prayer is two-way. We pray to God, and he responds to us. Look at Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me, my part, and I will answer you, God's part, and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Now, one of the problems we have with prayer, all of us, myself included, sometimes we pray and we don't really get our mind going in it. To be effective, prayer must be mixed with faith. Look how that works. Psalm 15. 5, verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait in expectation because I know he's going to answer. So as you look at this, God has looked at all of our hearts this morning. God's given us secure. What's next? We have to obey God now. And to do that, here's a verse, a promise from God. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, all your worry on him because he cares for you. You know, when a, a worry is like a heavy weight on your back. And God says, just give it to me. I can handle it. What does that give you? Oh, wonderful. 
It's freedom. It's shalom. It's total wellness. So we have to obey that. So I want you to do one thing with me right now. We're going to pray this prayer together, all of us at all the campuses, and I want you to pray it out loud. I'll start in the balcony here and all over here, and, and, and our campuses in here, Sebastian, you guys watching online. We're going to pray it, and just pray it out loud, nice and loud. And I'll start with it in like two seconds <clears throat> with the word God. Here we go. God, thank you for giving me the cure for worry. I will continue to cast my cares by praying to you. I am encouraged and filled with hope. Amen. I sent an extra text out on Friday when God gave me that, and it came to you. You got two from me this week. I guaranteed you, when you leave this service, you will be encouraged. Are you already encouraged so far? Yeah, because we got a cure. We got a cure from something. And it might have hurt a little bit because we don't like being convicted. You see, some people don't understand the conviction part. Pastor Mark, I'm a Christian. Holy Spirit never convicts Christians. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> you know how you got saved when you weren't a Christian? Conviction of the Holy Spirit. But God convicts us when he says, that's why his warnings are there. Careful of your heart. He knows when we do something wrong, and he just cures us with his living word. Now, when you see this, I'm moving now to unbelievers. You say, well, I can just leave the service. No, no, not at all. Because we deal with mostly unbelievers. We need to know how God loves them and how he will help them. So just think about this. And remember, unbeliever doesn't mean they don't believe in God. It means they don't have a personal relationship with God. So I'm going back on a couple places of Acts, if you've been with us all the time in Acts. Here's, here's where I'm going. I'm going back to Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, in there. Peter, an apostle, he was at Pentecost. He got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave his first sermon. And Jerusalem was filled with Jews, naturally. But the Jews didn't have any belief in Jesus Christ as Messiah. Absolutely not. And so he used Old Testament truths, proving to them, because that's all they had in those days was the Old Testament. All the promises, the prediction that Jesus Christ would come and he would be the suffering Savior. Well, as he did this, here's one of the things he said. I'll just read it to you for time. Acts 2.36. So, here's Peter. All these Jews, they don't believe in anything he's saying. So let everyone in Israel know that for certain God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. Oh, pretty tough. To be both Lord and Messiah. Now, watch what happened when he preaches first sermon, listen to verse 37. Well, you'll see this one on the overhead. Peter's words. Now, where were the words from? They were from the Bible, the Old Testament. It's living and active. And Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles that were with him, brothers, what do we do? Whoop! They knew they were guilty. They knew they were wrong. Well, how can we solve that? Is there a cure for that? God was doing spiritual surgery on these unbelieving Jews. 
just like God is doing in all of us as we read the scripture. And God points out to every single one of us, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, a million kind of things. What comes out of my mouth? How did I do that? What's wrong with me? And God just knows our heart. There's nothing hidden. As I look at you, I can't tell anything, but God knows everything. And he's trying to cure us, not to leave it there. So basically, look how Peter responds, Acts 2.38. Each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You know what happened? That day, 3,000 Jews became followers of Jesus Christ. They repented. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and they were water baptized. 3,000! Why? Because the Bible is living. It's active, just as God promised. And you just go a few more weeks past that, the number went up to 10,000 Jews who became born again. 10,000 people. Now, I just want to say this. God's powerful living word can change anyone, anyone who chooses to repent and believe in Jesus. doesn't matter your past. doesn't matter. He takes you where you're at, changes your whole life. Now, last week, over the last couple of weeks, we were in Acts 13. And Paul was there with Barnabas. And they went into a Jewish synagogue. And in that Jewish synagogue, there were Jews that didn't believe in Jesus. They weren't interested in it. But the most people in that group probably was basically pagan Gentiles who had gods in the sky and water, you know, something like this. They'd bow down to a statue, and they didn't know anything about God. But they went to the Jewish synagogue because they had heard that there was a one living God, and they were so tired of praying to a rock. And so they learned about that, but they didn't know anything about Jesus. Well, when Paul was there, basically, let's look what he says. He, he gives the scripture when he had a chance to teach, and here's what Acts 13, 38 says. Therefore, my brothers, he's talking to a synagogue of Jews and Gentiles, I want you to know that through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Now, that shocked the Jews. They're not interested. But the Gentiles go, whoa, that's interesting. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not just be justified from the law of Moses. Remember, the Jews thought, if I can keep the law of God in the Old Testament, I'll earn a way to heaven. Well, number one, you will never, ever, ever obey the law totally. Impossible. That's why God made it. You know why God made a law that you couldn't be perfect in? Because he was sending a savior. He knew nobody would Now, when you see that, what is salvation? Here it is. Everyone who believes in the risen Christ will be forgiven all their sins, and this is the one I love, and declared not guilty as if you never sinned. We call that, here's all your sins. We call that wiping the slate clean. Amen. Now, who, who goes in there and brings that back to us? Satan, but sometimes we do. Are they really gone? Yes, they're really gone. He doesn't lie. They're forgiven and forgotten. 
You won't find, I don't care how much money you got. You can't find that. It's a gift from God. Now, the result of that spiritual survey, repent and believe in Jesus Christ, and you will be forgiven. Now, look at verse 49. I'll read it to you. The word of the Lord spread. So the people came out. The Jews came out of the synagogue, and the Gentiles came out. And it says the word of God spread through the whole region, region like wildfire. And they said to Paul, can you come back next week and teach us in the Bible again? We want more of that. That was the first week they ever heard about it. They wanted more. Now, what does that mean? They were hungry to have their lives changed even more. And we're going to talk about that next week. Don't miss it. See, they're baby Christians. But we have to grow and grow and grow in with our walk with God. And one of the things sometimes God will do to all of us is he'll come in and he'll go, I'm looking at your heart. I'm not first in your life anymore. You, you act like it, but you're not in the Bible in any kind of a regular time. You, you go to church every four weeks or something like that. That's not who you were before. Your heart's cold. It's hard. And so they wanted to grow, and that's one of the things we can do. Well, this is a little more important than God. Don't ever say that because the Scripture says, seek the kingdom of God first. But we can just, here we go. And it's not like tomorrow I walk away from God. It's a path that Satan brings all kinds of things into our life. Now, guess what happened when they were taught again? More than a 1,000 pagan Gentiles came to salvation. Why? The power of the world. They were also filled with joy, naturally, and the Holy Spirit. God's spiritual surgery was successful in that town because Paul taught from the living word of God. Now, what does that look like? Here it is, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Can we just do this? Would you just raise your hand everywhere, all over, all the campus? Just raise your hand for a moment. Everybody, don't, don't feel weird. You're in church. Lord, help us. At the football game, come. You'll have... <laughs> Here's what I want you to do. Wave goodbye to your old life. Come on, just wave goodbye. Because you had surgery today. You had surgery today. I have to raise three hands, but I only got two. I had surgery. And here's the next thing I want you to do. Welcome God's healing into your life. Hallelujah. Nobody else can do that. You know, when you leave a doctor's office after you had surgery and your wife's there or the kids are there, what's the first thing when they meet the doctor? What's the first thing you say? Was the surgery successful? That verse says God's spiritual surgery is 100% effective. Hallelujah. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm going to take a moment, and we're going to pray, and I'm going to speak to those of you that basically haven't turned your life over to Christ, or you used to follow Christ, but you need to make a recondition. And as I do this, I want you to just look at me in the eye, whether you're here on the campus or watching online or any campus. Nothing is hidden from God. And I know God's spoken to you. Now, it's your choice. 
But nothing is hidden from God. And when he, he spoke to us as believers, we're going to try to be what he told us to do. But those unbelievers, you have to understand that your life can change instantly, just like that's how we all got here. And God gives promises to us. I just read it. Here's another promise I love from God, Romans 10 and 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not might be, you will be saved. So if you want all your sins forgiven and you know that you will spend eternity in heaven because of being saved, in a moment I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer with me. You know you need God. You've been looking for shalom, peace, rest, all well-being. You can only find that in God. You can't find it in the world. That's what people do. It doesn't work. It's a dead end. But you're hungry to have a brand new start or a recommitment. God's available for you right now. All you have to do is pray this simple prayer with me. So here's what I want to do. All of our campuses, if you're not an unbeliever, I want you to just pray right where you're at in a moment. Just bow your head online, at home, up in the balcony, wherever. I want you to pray for the people that are going to make a decision in just about two minutes. Pray that God would open their heart. Because God wants to say, he wants nobody lost. He wants everybody. So you have an opportunity to be part of this altar call. So let's ask you to bow your head first and just start praying to God. As if it was your sister or your son or your daughter that doesn't know the Lord. Make it personal and pray for these people. For you that want to accept the Lord, pray this with me. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins on the cross. And today, with your help, I turn from my sins, and I choose to follow you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for loving me and forgiving and forgetting all my sins. Today I receive your gift of salvation, and I look forward to a brand new life. And for those of you that have walked away, I hope you prayed that same prayer, because God will take you where you're at and change your life again. All of us have had many, many new starts. And I pray that you believe that when you prayed it today. All right, everybody, thank you for praying.